You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. I want to begin by saying that the Feast is not a prayer meeting. It's a revolution. It really is. It, it, it's, it's, we're, we're trying to bring the love of God into the world and changing the world. I, revolutions are started by unreasonable people. Everybody say unreasonable. unreasonable. It's true. I, I just came from Davao last night and I met... I gave a seminar there, and then I, I met the, the guy who picked me up, or is the young couple that leads the feast in Panabo. Panabo is 31 hour from Davao. And he's an entrepreneur. He runs a grocery store. But then he told me that two years ago he started a farm, a banana farm, just a small one. And I asked him why. You know, you, you've got already a, a grocery store. You've got your own business. Why, why, why bother have another farm, uh, another business? And, and he said, well, I have a, a, a small feast, 150 people. 90% are all young people, all students. And I said, wow, that's amazing. I love it when young people come to the feast. Are there young people in the house? Can you tell the person beside you, go to confession? <laughs> but I, I told this guy, our leader in Panabo, I said, whoa, amazing, 90% are young people. And he said, yeah, it's amazing. It's good spiritually. It's bad financially. They cannot give anything. That's why I have to put up a new business to support. Isn't that unreasonable? You're a guy, you're serving God, you're the guy who prepares the talk. Every week you gather the people and then you, you have to dig from your own pocket to support your own feast. That's foolishness. You know what? There are a lot of foolish people here, the servants. I, I'm telling you, before you clap, listen to me. We've got 1,500 servants here that serve every Sunday and in all the sessions. These are nurses, teachers, call center agents, they're, they're plumbers, they're doctors, they're security guards, they're janitors, they're, these are people who are managers, they've, they've, they're engineers, they've got jobs and they're working from Monday to Friday, some Monday to Saturday. And on Sunday, instead of resting, they come here one hour before everyone does. And then they leave after the feast, one hour after everyone does. They go home tired on a Sunday, but happy. They're unreasonable. There's no logic. Why they do that? Someone came up to me, maybe a few years ago, not Filipino, not Catholic, after the feast. He says, Brother Bo, how much do you earn, like, you know, because of the feast? And it was, he was a very frank guy. So I said, nothing. And he said, you don't have a salary? You know, he, he had this, if he was Filipino, he would have said, where? <laughs> I said, no, I don't have a salary. 
you know. And he said, you don't have a salary. You... And then some, like, like a light bulb hit him and I, I said, like, oh, you're a writer. You're, you're an author. You, 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 you publish books, right? So you probably earn you know, from that, you know, because you have a big congregation, you've got... And I said, no, I, I, I have written, yeah, 50 plus books and 100% of the royalties are all donated. He couldn't figure me out. He said, what? You're not earning... How do you live? I said, oh, I've got a business. I've got a small business. That's how I earn. And he could not figure me out. You know what? People will not be able to figure us out. Why do we do these unreasonable things? Why are you here on a Sunday? You could do all sorts. You could be watching something else, right? 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 You could... But you're here. I'm telling you, you're, you're foolish, you're illogical, but that's okay because we have an unreasonable God with an unreasonable love. We have a God who loves us and there is no logic. Can you explain, is there any logic for this? The cross. There is no logic. You cannot explain it. There is no sense. You won't be able to figure that out. Why would a God... You know what? For this whole month of January, we, we've been working on dissecting the story of Abraham, asking him, God asking Abraham to offer his son Isaac. Some of you, maybe it's the first time you're, you're attending the feast, you don't know this story, just want to give you a little background that God asks Abraham, Abraham, offer your son Isaac to me. And the offering was not symbolic. It's not, okay, Lord, I'll symbolically offer my son. No, real, like kill the guy and burn his body. 3,000 years ago, the neighboring tribes were doing that. God did not like that. God abhorred that. God hated that. But, but he, was, he was teaching a lesson. He was giving a test. And, and so, that is insane. Can I, can, can I ask some honesty here? Can I? When you read the Old Testament, when you read Genesis and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, when you read 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Judges, be honest with me. Are there times you like... Huh? Are there times when you like read and you say, I don't get this. Are there times when you say... This is cruel. This is bad. Raise your hand if sometimes that happens to you. Can I help you? Because that happens to me too. You know how to solve that? Ask me how. You've got to read the Bible the way church fathers read the Bible. You know what I call by the church fathers? That means the leaders of the church in the first, second, and third, fourth century. That, that means in the second century, for example, the disciples of the apostles and ongoing. You've got Ignatius of Antioch, you've got Clement, you've got Origen, you've got all these guys. They read the Bible in a particular way and we need to read that Bible in the same way. It's called typological exegesis. Say that, let it roll off your tongue. Typological exegesis. You need to remember that. Ask me why. To impress your friends. <laughs> you know when your friends go to you, Hey, I, I don't understand the Old Testament. You tell them, you need to practice typological exegesis. And when they say, what's that? You just say, oh, it's easy, just Google. <laughs> now this is what it means. This is how the church fathers read the Bible. They saw everything, everybody say everything, as pointing to Jesus. 
That's how they read the Bible. Like you're reading Abraham, uh, they're, they're, they're reading it with a lens of Jesus. And so, for example, I'll give you an example. The, before I do that, just want to give you two, two very important truths. Bring it home with you. Number one, the entire Bible is one magnificent love story. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations, it's one magnificent love story. Number two, your life is part of that story. It really is. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you read about Abraham, when you read about David, when you read about Daniel, when you read about Isaiah, you're not just reading someone else's story. You're reading your story. Because the God who loved Abraham and Daniel and David is the God who loves you. And that's why you're part of this story. Now, let's go back to the Abraham-Isaac story. God asking Abraham to offer his son Isaac. Isaac. Everybody say, I'm listening. Isaac is a Christ figure. Isaac, the story of Abraham and Isaac, is like a movie trailer of the story of the father and the son, Jesus. Ask me how. Seven parallels between Jesus and Isaac. Parallel number one. Both are loved by the father and yet sacrificed by their fathers. Yes or no? Abraham offering Isaac, the father offering Jesus. Parallel number two, both are only sons. Isaac was an only son. You find that in the book of Genesis. Your son, your only son, Isaac. Jesus was an only son, and yet both only sons have siblings. Yes, because Isaac had Ishmael. Ishmael, the son of Hagar, another, another woman. Jesus, look around you. We're all siblings, brothers and sisters of Jesus. Parallel number three, both obey the Father's will. Parallel number four, both carry wood up the mountain. You read the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Isaac carries the wood. Jesus carries the cross. Parallel number four, number five. Both are sacrificed in the same general location, the hills of Moriah. When I go to Jerusalem every year, we take that walk. We, we, we visit Calgary, the church of the sepulcher, and then we walk to the Dome of the Rock, the mosque where that white rock where Abraham offered Isaac. Parallel number six, both are tied up. In fact, this is so interesting. The same Greek word that, that was used in the Septuagint version of Genesis 22, where Abraham tied up Isaac. The same word, akeda, was used by the Gospel of John when Jesus was tied up. You know, in, 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 the, in, in the book of Genesis 22, verse 9, it says, Abraham tied up his son and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. I read that verse, I get chills down my spine. It's like, it's like you, you see the Father giving Jesus to us. And parallel number seven, both are resurrected, though in a different way. Jesus resurrected and Isaac was brought back to, the, to, to Abraham. What am I saying? What's the point? Ask me, what's the point? Abraham, 
offering his own son, Isaac? That's foolish. That's insane. The father offering Jesus is even more insane. God madly is madly in love with you. And, and when, you're, when you're madly in love, you're unreasonable. And this, this is unreasonable. I was thinking of a, a Bible teacher. I'm telling a true story. Do, do, you, do you memorize verses? Like, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do, do some of you, like, even just one? <laughs> A few? A few? Huh? Okay. There's this Bible teacher who does not memorize verses. He memorizes books. The, the book of the Gospel of Mark, the whole thing. 16 chapters, memorizes it. He's, he's amazing. He, he, he memorizes the, the whole letter of the, of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Just Galatians, memorize that too. <laughs> it's a crazy guy. And people loved him. People respected him. People listened to him. But then as he got older, people began to notice that he would forget things. And he would, for, he would, he would ask you a question, and after a few minutes, he'll ask it again. And, and people were thinking, there might be something wrong with him. And they, they, they brought him to the doctor, and it was confirmed. He had Alzheimer's. Do you know that disease? And so that was the problem. Because he was a walking Bible. He knew the Bible. He memorized huge parts of the Bible. But then because of the Alzheimer's, he began to forget. He be and it was so painful for him. It's like, like he would cry. He would just, he would just be so frustrated that he, he would forget what he memorized before. And there, there, there were points in his life when, when he started losing, like, like he, would, he would be walking somewhere and he, did, he wouldn't know how to go home. And, and there are times when he would not recognize anymore the people around him. And there came one day when he only knew one verse. He forgot all the verses of the Bible except one. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. And then after a few months he could not even say the whole verse. He could just say for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he could not complete it anymore. And then when he was on his deathbed, people in the room around him, they noticed that his lips were still moving and they put their ear near his mouth and they could hear him say, For God so loved. For God so loved. That's all he could say. For God so loved. And they realized that this Bible teacher was still teaching them on his deathbed. And 
he was teaching them his most important lesson. That the whole kingdom of God, that the whole Christendom, that every doctrine and every truth in scripture, in all of Christianity, can be boiled down to that one line for God so loved. This is the reason why we wake up in the morning. This is the reason why we work. This is the reason why we go to Mass. This is the reason... Can you all stand up? This is the reason why you stand up right now. This is the reason why we come to the feast. This is the reason why we serve. This is our nourishing meal. And this is our refreshing drink. This is our sharp sword. And this is our comforting pillow. This is the bed that we sleep at night. And this is our walking stick by day. This is the fire in our belly. This is the reason for our ex- man this is our purpose for God so loved I, I say this to people if you do not yet get the fact that God is crazy for you then you still are not doing what you're supposed to do you know pe- people pe- pe- people are still counting you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church and I'm, I'm trying to be good. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know it's, it's, sometimes it's too much. You know, and if, 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 you're, if you're there, it's, it's, it's too much. You know, you're, you still want to be reasonable. You still want to have some sense in what you're doing. You haven't tasted this crazy love of God for you. Because the moment you're bitten by this bug called God's love, you're going to go crazy. You're going to go crazy and you're going to be unreasonable and you're going to go insane in your love for God. And so right now you're looking at me and you're saying, maybe, Bo, I, I still don't get it. Before we sing one song, I just want to go personal here and share with you a story. Recently, I shared this a little bit already with you. November, Two months ago, Kerygma Conference season, I lost my voice. Kerygma Conference Manila, right after the talk, I lost my voice for five days. I got it back, flew to Cebu for the Kerygma Conference there. Right after my talk, lost my voice again, but this time worse, my voice was zero. By the time I hit Davao, I, I had a very weak voice and I stood on stage, I said, hi, hello, everybody. And then I sat down, and then a video was played. That was the biggest feast video ever. 4,500 people, they just watched my video. I recovered my voice. And then a few days later, another part of my body malfunctioned. I was, right before riding the boat, I was going to take this boat, do, do, do something with the people. It's like a pilgrimage thing. Um, I, I had this severe pain that, like I've never felt before in my back, my lower back. And I had to ride a wheelchair to the, to the boat. And then there was so much pain. You know what? When I lost my voice, I could still, I could still write. That, that, that was my comfort. Writing is my passion. Writing is my paradise. I love to write. So, no voice, no problem. Can still write. I, I still can. But 
When I was in that boat for six days, the pain was so severe. Muscle spasms, shooting pain. It was so severe, I could not write a single word. And, you know, it, it was so embarrassing because to, for me to stand up, two people had to be beside me, one on my right, one on my left, and they had to push me up. And again, there was just so much pain. And, you know, I felt like I was a 95-year-old guy moving in that way and so you know when you can't write you're in bed six days all I could do was talk to God and I felt I, I felt life stripped me of everything I lost my mobility I lost my health I lost my ability to write I was no longer a writer I lost my dignity. It's like so embarrassing, you know, not being able to move. It would take me 10 to 15 minutes to get out, get off the bed. You know, just... When everything was stripped away, when I had nothing, I looked deep, deep within. And I discovered that there was this one thing this one thing that will never be taken away from me. For God so loved. And then I realized it was enough for me. It was enough for me. That God loved me and that He was crazy for me. And I speak to you right now because maybe at this moment you have lost something the way I lost stuff in my life. Maybe you lost someone. Maybe you're here with a broken heart. Or maybe you lost a job or you lost a position or you lost a title or you lost a privilege. Maybe you lost material things. Maybe you lost money. Maybe you lost an opportunity and you feel bad right now. Remember, Remember what we said last week, when you lose something materially, it is an invitation to grow spiritually. To actually look deep in your heart and to say, I may have lost this, I may have lost that, I may have lost that person, I may have lost this, this, I may have lost this, I may, I may have lost that, but I will never lose this. The foundation of who I am, the reason for my existence, the purpose of my life, his love for me. Can that love be enough for you? Because if it is, then nothing can touch your peace and your joy. Nothing. Nothing. Can I invite you to pray? If this is a comfortable posture for you, let your palms be raised up and, and say this after me. Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me this much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. 
for more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com slash podcasts.